people will say, it's not the right time, or it's not the right apartment, or it's not the perfect real estate market. And ultimately, there is no real perfect time to move. Uh, so many people have in their mind that they're going to time this perfectly. They're going to sell their home, have settlement on Tuesday, and move in on Wednesday. And it's like trying to time the stock market. You just can't do it. This is a show where we'll explore what it means to retire with purpose. To make a difference, to invest in your family, your community, to live to your full potential and explore abundant opportunities to live with purpose in community. From Garden Spot Communities in New Holland, Pennsylvania, welcome to Purpose in Retirement. I'm Juanita Fox, storyteller at Garden Spot Communities. And I'm Scott Miller, the Chief Marketing Officer. Scott, have you ever opened a closet and had stuff fall on the floor at your feet? Uh, yeah, or I, like try to close the door and hope that it stays shut. Oh. When I think about moving, I think about those overflowing closets and wonder how I will ever sort through the things I'm not sure I can part with. Well, in this season in Purpose in Retirement, we're going to be talking to experts who can answer some of the tough questions about the process of, of moving to a retirement community. Today, we're going to talk with Margaret Novak, who for 25 years owned Moving Solutions. She's widely recognized as the founder of the move management industry. Margaret and her husband recently downsized and they moved to retirement community, so she has some really great life experiences to show as well. She recently released her book, it's called Squint, Revisioning the Second Half of Life. After the break, we'll hear more from Margaret. Garden Spot Communities is pleased to present you know, our partnership with Good Works Incorporated. Good Works, it's a home repair ministry. They're based out of uh, Chester County, Pennsylvania, and they provide teams of volunteers that, that go to people's homes. They do repair work at, at no cost for uh, low-income families. The leaders of the organization focused on the fact that they think that people you know, from all backgrounds, all circumstances, deserve to feel cared for and loved by their community and that's what Good Works seeks to provide. You know, it's the community coming beside people to provide warm, safe, comfortable places to live and demonstrate the, the hope that can be found in Jesus Christ. There are a number of residents at Garden Spy Village who have participated in, in the Days of Works ministry. And so if you would like to get involved with that, if you like getting in there and, and helping to do things like to, to repair and to clean, to paint homes, um, there are always in need of volunteers. And we invite, invite you to come and get involved with us you can learn more by clicking the link in the podcast description or by visiting um, the Good Works website, which is www.goodworksinc.org. Margaret, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you for inviting me. I am delighted to be here. So, Margaret, in, in this season of Purpose and Retirement, Juanita and I are going to be talking to a whole variety of people. Um, and we'll be having conversations about the ins and the outs of, of moving to a retirement community. Um, we're hoping that we'll be able to answer most of the questions that um, people don't know to ask about moving to a retirement community. So to begin our conversation, kind of set you up as our expert for today, what is, what is your work experience? Uh, well, about, about 25, 28 years ago, I started a business called Moving Solutions. And the purpose of the business was to help people overcome the physical and emotional obstacles of relocating from homes they'd lived in for decades. And they were usually re relocating to retirement communities. At first, people would say, I'm not ready. 
And we would wonder, are they really not ready or are they just overwhelmed with the prospect of how to deal with decades of belongings? Uh, and we found that we were filling a need that was unmet in serving mm -hmm. this population. There were movers, there were care managers, but no one was acknowledging how hard it is to get out of a home that you've lived in for many decades. And all of the emotional obstacles, not just physical obstacles, but emotional obstacles, which are probably the bigger part of the obstacles. Yeah. People talk about the physical ones, but I think the ones that are really the impediments are the emotional ties. So we came in as experts in doing all of those, as well as putting people in touch with resources that they might need to accomplish this. Anyone from movers who we knew would take care of their things to uh, auction houses or antique dealers who would buy their belongings. And then we provided hands-on help to really get the job done. So we had the fortune of being um, a business that filled a need, um, an idea whose time has come, and the business grew and was successful. And I had the privilege of working at a job from which I never wanted to retire. So I have, I've moved, corporations have moved me a bunch of times, right? And so I've had move managers. They've come in, they've, you know, packed everything up for me, like when I was in my 30s, and then um, moved me to the new place. What's the difference between what you do or what you have done and, you know, those other companies? Normally, when you, when you were moving, you were probably taking everything in your home and putting it into a new home. Yes. And um, for the most part, things were going to go into the same types of rooms they were in currently, and it was pack it up and in all likelihood, leave it in cartons and you'll take care of it when it gets to the other side. Yep. We faced a different kind of situation. Most people who have a three or four or five bedroom home actually use very little of it. They use the master bedroom, they use the family room and the kitchen, mm. but they have things in every room. So our job is to help people think through, how do they really use their home? How do they really live? If someone would say, oh, I'm not gonna take my desk, but I would see that piles of bills and that's what, and they use it every day, I wouldn't just say, fine, the desk doesn't go. I'd, I'd ask, where are you going to do the things that you do use your desk for? How will you live? Where will your command center be? And you might be saying, what's a command center? Every house has a command center. It may be in the kitchen. It may be in the family room. It's where the address book is, the phone list, yeah. the calendar. We would walk in and say, well, where are we going to have the command center in the new home? It's much more about how people live rather than simply moving their things. We also would look and say, can you get to everything you need to use every day? Are the things that you use on the lowest shelves? Does, I don't know, how, I, although we in some ways would try to replicate the organization of a prior kitchen, mm -hmm. they were moving to a new home. And this was a chance to say, is it best located to make your life easy? So we might say, in your old home, you had a big kitchen and there was room for service for eight on the lower shelf. In your newer home, it's a little more compact. What if we had service for four of, so everything you use could be on the lower shelf mm. and the other four could be up higher because you don't use it as often. Yep. Um, it's more thinking as you unpack and place. So why do people need a move manager to help them accomplish these tasks? Why isn't it something they can kind of do themselves? In theory, they can, 
but I like to compare it to when I started um, figuring out how I was going to get exercise during the pandemic. So there were lots of videos on YouTube and I, I went to access them and I found the ones that were for older people because I didn't want to compete with a bunch of 20 year olds. But I just didn't have any staying power. Um, I found myself stopping in the middle, not really doing all the reps, and then, then just not doing it. So it was free, and it was good quality, but it just wasn't working for me. And uh, in October of last year, a friend was talking to me, and she said she had started a virtual training, pers- a virtual personal training program with three other people, where they got on Zoom and had a personal trainer help them with strength training, and she really liked it. So I asked if I could join, and I had to get permission. I had to get like be accepted by the group. <laughs> but what I found is it felt like being part of a group. We chit-chatted during class. We would see the five screens on, on our own screen, and I could see each other. We, could, we might be groaning or we might be laughing or whatever. For me, that worked. And here, ironically, I was paying money for the classes and I had to take them at 10 o'clock every day. Whereas on YouTube, I would have had free classes at any time, but YouTube wasn't working for me. This accomplished my goals. And I think working with the move manager is like that. There are lots of lists that people can get online Mm -hmm. of what they should do. And they can do it by themselves or with their family. But for a lot of reasons, for a lot of people, that doesn't work. And I hope that people look at move management and don't say, I'm using it because I can't do the other way. I can't do it on my own. But say, I want to complete my goals. And if this is what works for me, Mm -hmm. I mean, I'm not embarrassed that I'm using personal training and having to pay for it. I'm proud of myself because I've accomplished what I want. And I hope they look at that for move management as well. It's a way of accomplishing your goals. Absolutely. So um, you helped people move to retirement communities for 25 years or so. I heard you recently moved to retirement community yourself. And so like, how did you arrive at that decision and how did it go? So this is asking the queen of downsizing, (laughs) how did her own move go? So I want you to know um, it was not the move anyone would want to have. Uh, About three years ago, my husband and I purchased a shore home, and it was the home of our dreams on the water. And we would go down there for weekends, and Bill said, I want to get lock and go so we can leave Philadelphia area easily Mm. and get to the shore house. So let's move. First, he said, where can we rent with three dogs? And I said, nowhere. (laughs) Um, He said, I don't want to move twice. Let's move to a retirement community. So here we were, we made a decision. We were going to downsize our belongings so we could upsize our lives and take advantage of this shore home that we were so excited about and have a home in the Philadelphia area where our kids lived. It it was going to be perfect. We were moving for at the perfect time for the perfect reasons. Um, About two months before our move, my husband had planned hip replacement surgery and two days after his hip replacement surgery, he had a very serious heart attack. Ooh. Oh, my. Oh. Uh, not here, not in the metro Philadelphia area or in Lancaster where we have terrific healthcare resources. No, we were in the bowels of southern Delaware, far from great hospital care. Um, and we really didn't know if he was going to survive. 
We came back to um, southeastern Pennsylvania where we had great medical care. And I still didn't know for days, was he going to make it? I had to ask myself, was I still going to move even if he passed away? Um, I'm going to fast forward and tell you he's fine. So okay. don't panic. Thank you. <laughs> but while I was wait- we were waiting to find out what would happen, I had to think, what do I do? Uh, he can't go back to our three-story stone colonial where we have a bedroom on the second floor and mm. stairs to yeah. get in. Uh, I have three dogs. I have a house to sell. So all of it, and I have a husband who was still on oxygen and because of the hip replacement surgery, very dependent on a walker. Uh, it was the, we went from moving under the best possible circumstances to moving under the worst possible yeah. circumstances. Yeah. Mm. So our move did not go exactly as planned. Um, I had done a lot of work in advance, but a lot was still left, and I did it in a way that I had not planned. And there were lots of things that made the cut that probably shouldn't have. There were things that made the cut because of procrastination, like I'll get to it later, like five hoses. But I just shoved them into a trash bag and said to the movers, take them. Um there were things that made the cup because of rationalization, like a 30-cup coffee urn. And I'm thinking, well, I may have a big party. Forget that I hadn't had that kind of party for six <laughs> years, you know. <laughs> so that came, but I've, I've since gotten rid of it. Um, there were things that made the cut for illogical reasons, like a bag of 30 pairs of pantyhose. Now, <laughs> when I started Moving Solutions in 1996, one part of my business plan was I am never wearing pantyhose again as long as I live. <laughs> I don't even know how that bag survived in my closet, yet alone arrived at our cottage. Um, some things made the cut for logical reasons, but having them there was not logical. Mm. Like lamps. Our old house was a hundred year old home. It was very dark. It faced north. We needed a lot of lamps. But our new home in the, in the senior living community faces south, it's got great light, and it has an unbelievable amount of overhead lighting. So while I brought a lot of lamps with me, after a year and a half, we had yet to turn one of them on. (laughs) And we said, why? The purpose of a lamp is to give light. Why would we have them around if we never use them? Um, Some things made the cut for emotional reasons, like a set of Rosenthal china that belonged to my mother. And I had kept it, I guess, for sentimental reasons in the basement for 40 years. My mom died when I was in my 20s. And when we moved, it did arrive at the new home. But I said, keeping something in a box at first in the basement, now in a garage, is not honoring my mom. Mm. I think about her often. I tell stories about her often. I decided that I don't need the dishes there to be honoring her, and I um, gave them to a thrift shop. And people sometimes say, a thrift shop? Well, first of all, I know that they're not sellable. But even more than that, my mother would have wanted the dishes to go to someone who loves them. And that's what happened. I picked a thrift shop whose purpose I know my mother would have supported, and someone bought them who didn't care that they couldn't go in the dishwasher or the microwave. And is enjoying them. And that was how I knew I was honoring my mom. So what happened to all these things that made the cut that should not have? Some are still in our garage. Um, many I've gotten rid of. And what it showed me is that I had a really imperfect move in so many ways. But ultimately, it didn't matter. 
because I got to my new home and Bill's healthy and we were enjoying our mm. new life and interacting with people and our lovely, our lovely home. And it made me think about the concept of perfection and how people will say, it's not the right time or it's not the right apartment or it's not the perfect real estate market. And ultimately, there is no real perfect time to move. So many people have in their mind that they're going to time this perfectly. They're going to sell their home, have settlement on Tuesday and move in on Wednesday. And it's like trying to time the stock market. You just can't do it. And people think, oh my God, what if I have to put things in storage? Or what if um, it doesn't work right in timing? And I say to people, selling your house at a price that you want and not having to worry about living in a home that and keeping it market ready all the time, that's not a bad problem to have. Yeah, You're not moving twice. Some things will go into storage. When your new apartment is ready, we'll work out a, get a plan B. And plan B is going to be better than plan A because plan A just isn't realistic. Right? It's a hope and a dream, but it's not what happens. So don't panic about plan B. Let's take advantage of plan B. It'll be okay. Yes, that's right. <laughs> It'll be and, okay. and, and to say to people, don't wait until it's the perfect time, until your downsizing is perfect, because while you're waiting, you're losing out on a lot of opportunities to establish connections and to have new experiences. So I go, hey, my timing was perfect, and then it was anything but perfect, and it works out okay. From your perspective, what are some things people should think about when they're, reti they're evaluating retirement communities? Uh, I think most people start out with, where do I want to live? And so they may have some family circumstances that are going to trump all other considerations. Uh, I want to be near, they may, want, they may have family they want to be near, um, and, but they still want Almost no matter where people want to move, they will have choices to make because there are a lot of senior living opportunities. So once they have made a decision about the general area, the question becomes, how do they make decisions among multiple opportunities that, that can look very similar, at least at first glance? And one of the first things they do is look at bricks and mortar, which while it's very visible, is probably the least important part of their thriving in that community. Mm. Because um, many communities offer similar amenities in terms of this is what your kitchen's going to look like or these are the housing options. Uh, I think it's much more important to, one, look at that contract. These All communities are not the same in what they offer. There are some communities that will say, oh, why pay for care you're probably never going to need? Um, and they say, yeah, we're, we cover everything, but they may not really. They may have... They may make suggestions that you're going to have all the support you need, but it may be a very different cost experience once you do need that care. So these are complicated contracts. Make sure you look at that. If you have a financial advisor, ask him to go over it so you know how to understand it or develop some similar questions and make sure you've talked with the marketing personnel, the sales personnel, to make sure you understand how these same questions are answered at yep. different different communities. I think bricks and mortar can be important. We knew we wanted to have a cottage because we have dogs. And we knew that getting in an elevator wasn't a first choice for us. Although coming out, coming out, being on the first floor of another community could have been an option. But maybe the most important part is figuring out what place will align with your values. Mm. 
Um, my husband and I are very purpose-driven people. We've done hosts for hospitals for years, had people living in our home who had come to Metro Philadelphia for medical care. Um, all of our friends have said, you had strangers live in your house for months? How did you tolerate that? And we said it was, it was a gift to us. So um, we, need to find, we needed to find a place that aligned with who we are. Uh, and many communities offer opportunities to stay there for several days. And that's an interesting idea because you may go into some homes, some communities, and say, it just didn't resonate with me. Yep. I just didn't feel like it's where I belonged. And others may feel like you're putting on a bedroom slipper that's been well-worn and your foot slides right into it. It's a little bit like colleges. My daughter went to one school and after five minutes said, this is not it, yep. and went to another and after five minutes said, this is what I want. And do not make the decision on what the kitchen countertop is. Mm. Make it on where you will thrive. That's, yeah, that's really good advice. Um, too many people, I think, make it on the floor plan and, like you said, the kitchen counter. And it's so much more than that. Absolutely. Right now, the real estate market is really strong. Um, so what advice do you have for people who you know, think, oh, you know what? I should really sell my house because I'll probably get the best price ever, um, but they're not sure what their next step is? Well, you're right. The real estate market is really strong. And I recently was contacted by someone who had been approached by a neighbor who wanted to buy her home at a price she couldn't believe she never anticipated she would get so much and wanted to pay cash for it, no contingency, no inspection. And she said, how can I turn this down? And at first she called me because she was in a panic saying, where should I move? And it became clear that she didn't even have locked in which side of the United States she wanted to live on, yet alone what state or what, what kind of community. Should it be a CCRC? Should it be a condo? Everything was still an option for her. And she started to say, how will I do this in 90 days? And I said, you can't. And you shouldn't. Right. You shouldn't make this decision out of pressure to complete this in a set period of days. And even if you knew where you wanted to move, they may not have the apartment that you're looking for, or it may be they may want to redo it, and that will take 30, 60, or 90 days. Take a gap year. And she said, what do you mean a gap year? Mm. And I said, well, you know how sometimes high school seniors say, I'm taking a year to explore who I am, what the options are. Why not take that? And she said, move twice. I said, you're not moving twice. You're moving once. Mm -hmm. Put your things in storage. And plan a year of doing some special things, visit with friends, get a, get a one-bedroom or a studio apartment, visit different potential places and cities to live. So she has, and she is um, spending a month in Portugal, which she's always <laughs> wanted to do. That's uh, amazing. And, and she's going to visit some friends. She has a studio apartment. She did downsize, but left a fair amount of things. She worked with the move manager so that all of her belongings are itemized as to what's in which box, hmm. so that when she is clear on where she wants to move and all the furniture is numbered and she has photos of it that the move manager took and measurements, so that when she does make a decision of where she wants to move, she and the move manager can take out the floor plan of her new home and look at the photos of her furniture and the boxes 
the list of, of the boxes and what's in them, and they'll be able to do a floor plan for what's going what her new home will look like and pick out the boxes that she wants and she'll have an organized move at the other end. And that's what I mean about plan B. It can be a smooth plan and now she doesn't feel like she's under the gun to make a decision. She turned what she at first thought of as a horrible thing into something that she has reframed into an incredible opportunity. What I keep hearing you say is that um, while it seems overwhelming, there are people who can help, right? Absolutely. And it there turns, are. And it turns out really great in the end. Well, I think for many people, a move planner is like what wedding planners mm. um, are. And at first, 10, 20 years ago, wedding planners seemed like something extravagant that only super wealthy people used to help plan a wedding. And now they're almost accepted as uh, a logical way to have an organized and most cost-effective wedding because of the resources they bring to bear and the calmness with which they can approach something that most people have done very infrequently, they do every day. So they help the whole experience be smoother. And I think that move managers will move in that same direction as something, a, a resource that people say, why would I want to move without a move manager? You just released your first book. I did. Squint, Revisioning the Second Half of Life. So what was the inspiration for the book? I'm so glad you asked that. <laughs> uh, I'm going to talk about the inspiration through a little story. The other day, I was getting out of my kayak, and I made a muscle figure to a workman. I felt very strong and, and glad to be alive and healthy. And I made a, like, a, I used my arms and made a muscle, and the workman was laughing, saying, I hope I have that much energy when I'm old. <laughs> and I thought, that doesn't feel like a compliment. And it's probably because he's thinking that anyone who's my age doesn't have energy. He's mm. making stereotypes and generalizations. And that actually is what Squint is about. Um, in all my years of working with older adults, I certainly know that aging has a lot of challenges mm -hmm. and there is loss. But there is also so much opportunity for new experiences and new connections. So I wrote Squint to combat these pervasive negative stereotypes that other people have, but that we have as well. Mm. And to say that getting older um, has challenges, but it also has remarkable opportunities. And that is the purpose of Squint. So your book includes a lot of stories. What is one of your favorite stories? Boy, that's like asking a mother to pick her favorite child. <laughs> Sophie's choice. Here I go. It depends on the day. Okay. You know? Yeah, right, right, right. It's my dog. Okay. Um, so one of the stories that I love, uh, there, Squin covers a lot of different topics. And, and one of the topics that it covers, among many, is downsizing and figuring out what to do with belongings. So um, I met two sisters, and they were going through their mother's things. And uh, they, after the mother died, and they had decided who, which of them would get each of the things. And they were, this was going very smoothly, but there were two things that they both liked. And one was a very lovely ring that their mother had bought in Paris, and the other was a silver vase that their mom had gotten at an auction house. And it's odd, her, their mother must have been strangely omniscient because the, the vase had an F on it and both girls were in their teens when she got it. 
but they both married men whose names began with F. Like, what is the likelihood <laughs> of that? Really? Amazing. Statistically. So they couldn't decide what to do with these two items. And it could have been the source of friction, mm -hmm. but not the way they handled it. They decided that they would share the items and they would each keep them for one year. So every year on January 1st, they, the two sisters get together and the person who has the ring just returns the ring and the person who has the vase returns it with a dozen white roses because oh. the sister who returned the vase the first year did that and that's what they've done every year since. And what I love about this story is that as they went through their mother's belongings, they realized it's not about ownership, it's about relationship. And that was more important. Their relationship was more important than designating someone as the owner of the belongings. And I hope that everyone who is downsizing takes that story because that is the wish that every one of us as parents would have for our children to approach things that way, that their relationship is more important than anything else. Um, and I love using stories like that. Squint is full of a lot of stories because I think they illustrate that so much better than an article might or a, yep. list, of, a list of tips. Mm -hmm. um, relationship is more important than ownership. So that's that takeaway. That's my favorite story or one of my favorites. I, they're all my favorite. <laughs> it's a really powerful story. It is. And it a good reminder story. that it yeah. it's not about possessions. It's about mm -hmm. people. That's right. Yeah. Powerful. So I feel like we could probably keep talking for the next we hour. Could. This is like, I love talking about squint, about downsizing, about, about so, relocation. Uh, but, so is there anything else that you would like to, uh, to say to our listeners and our audience as we wrap up? There are, there are a couple things. One, I would want to say, please don't wait for timing to be perfect. Mm -hmm. um, if this is where you will thrive, and this is about thriving, not surviving, yep. um, please make the move to your next step now. Uh, I, I love a quote that came from Catherine Graham's memoirs. She said, I think that moving is like childbirth. If anyone remembered how hard it was, they would never do it a second time. Uh, now, <laughs> I'm not going to sugarcoat the challenges of moving, but I wouldn't sugarcoat the challenges of giving birth either. It's hard, but it's really worthwhile doing. I mean, you get a baby. Now, when you move, you're not going to have a baby. <laughs> but... <laughs> you will have a wonderful world in which you'll thrive. So please don't let something that is, don't avoid something simply because it's hard. If you raise children, you certainly said to them, just because it's hard doesn't mean it's not worth mm -hmm. doing. And getting to where you will thrive is worth doing. The second thing I will urge you to do is please go to margetnovak.com um, where you can learn about Squint, and that's M-A-R-G-I-T. N-O-V-A-C-K, MargetNovak.com. Um, and I hope you enjoy the book. And I would love if you would leave a review on Amazon. But also you'll see on the website, there's an opportunity to write comments to me. And um, I would love to hear what you think about the book and the stories and to hear your stories. So thank you very much for inviting me here. It's been great. Thank you, Margaret, for yeah, joining thank us. Thank you so much. This was a delight. Do you believe in the power of new ideas? Garden Spot Communities has been recognized as an innovative leader in the retirement living industry. 
from introducing households and skilled nursing to building a cooperative living house, which happens to be an affordable housing model without government subsidies, to Sycamore Springs, an award-winning, innovative 55 and over neighborhood. We designed each of these projects by observing the marketplace, listening to people explain what they need, and finding a solution that fits within the guidelines of our industry. We invite you to join us as a team member, resident, or fan. Find Garden Spot Communities at www.gardenspotcommunities.org or on Facebook and start a conversation with us. Juanita, you know, Margaret's stories, they were extremely powerful. They were. The story of the sisters who shared the rings back and forth, recognizing that relationship is more important than possessions. You know, sometimes in the midst of grief, when you're sorting through your loved one's possessions, you forget that. It's such a powerful reminder. It is. We summarized the five main ideas from our conversation with Margaret in a PDF. The PDF is entitled, Five Ways a Move Manager Can Help. And the link is in the podcast description. The PDF includes um, several things, five to be exact. One is access to resources. Two, answers to difficult questions. Three, peace of mind. Four, an outside experienced opinion. And number five, a professional vision for your new home. Before we go, let's not forget our giveaway. If you contact us through our website, guardedspotcommunities.org, in the next two weeks, we will enter you into a drawing for an autographed copy of Margaret's new book, Squint, Revisioning the Second Half of Life. If you want to enter the drawing, contact us through our website, guardenspotcommunities.org. Or if you'd like to purchase your own copy, we have a link in the podcast description. In our next podcast, we'll hear from Liz Gibbons, who recently downsized and moved to a retirement community. Liz will share her story and tell us why she and her husband decided to move sooner rather than later. Thank you for listening to Purpose in Retirement. I'm Scott Miller. And I'm Juanita Fox. Special thanks to Margaret Novak for joining us for this podcast. Our senior producer and host is Scott Miller. Our co-host is Juanita Fox. Our producer is Gavin Souter, and our audio engineer is Jen Miller. Jen Miller.